Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Hey everybody, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to rock and roll with our special NFL playoff edition here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread as we review for you the 2020 NFL football playoffs coming up this weekend. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, we're pretty excited to be back with a special edition for the NFL playoffs this weekend. Yes, we are. A special thank you to, to our producer, Jeff, for uh, making this bonus podcast available. And uh, Happy New Year to all of our podcast listeners and to you too, Mark. I know Mark's not going to want to say too much uh, because that's not the kind of guy he is, but 2021 has already been an incredible season for Mark Lawrence's preferred picks. Uh since the last time we recorded the podcast a week ago, Wednesday, folks, Mark hasn't lost a football game. And I'll I'll break them down because I know, again, Mark's not the kind of guy that wants to point out every single game. But last Wednesday in the Cotton Bowl, three-star winner on Oklahoma over Florida. Nice job. The next day on the 31st, New Year's Eve day, a five-star bowl game of the month on Army plus the points in the Liberty Bowl. And they hung in there and covered against West Virginia. Then on Friday, New Year's Day, in the Citrus Bowl, Mark had a three-star winner on Northwestern plus the points. A three-star winner on Cincinnati plus the points against Georgia. A game that uh, Cincinnati did everything they can to basically lose the game at the end, but at least they came in and covered the point spread. And not only that, but in the Sugar Bowl, Mark's 10-star college football bowl game of the year, Ohio State Buckeyes. And, Mark, we fielded a few phone calls from a couple customers who told me over the phone, I can't bring myself to bet Ohio State. They're so mismatched in this game against Clemson. Guess what, folks? Over 600 yards of offense from Ohio State. They outstanded Clemson by 200 yards. And a very, very impressive 10-star bowl game of the year winner on the Sugar Bowl. The next day, Saturday the 2nd, a four-star best bet on North Carolina State who hung in there and covered against Kentucky. And not only that, but on Sunday in the NFL, a three-star winner on the New York Giants, outright underdog winner against Dallas. And finally, Mark's 10-star NFL game of the year, Denver Broncos plus three points. Another game in which Denver gave it away at the end, but they came in. They covered the number 10-star NFL Game of the Year winner. So that makes it eight straight college football or NFL winners in a row in the last seven days. Mark, it's an incredible young. It's the perfect time, and I'm talking late season NFL and college football bowl games, to be on a big-time winning streak. And Mark won't make a big deal of it, but I certainly will. He's got a lot of happy clients, a lot of happy customers who are eagerly looking forward to what Mark has this weekend in the NFL playoffs, not to mention the uh, championship game in college football. Well, thank you very much, Victor, for the overview and the run. And all I can say is thank God 2021 is here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we can put that ugly, ugly 2020 COVID situation, hopefully to rest and put a lid on it sooner than later. But we're looking forward, as you said, to the upcoming NFL football playoffs beginning this weekend. And that's what we're going to do on the show today. We're going to recap a preview of what we're looking for on the NFL playoff card, if not this weekend, but for other games maybe down the road. Before we do just that, Victor, uh, let's do what we always do. And let's look back at uh, the college football season in recap of the 2020 season. And uh, let me start it off by letting everybody know of what it is that I learned in the 2020 college football season. And I think in review, my synopsis is that college football desperately needs to expand the college football playoffs. We're living with the same three blue bloods each and every year in the college football playoffs, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. 
I don't even know why they have the polls and the rankings because those three teams are the biggest money makers for the NCAA, and they will invariably be in the football playoffs unless, God forbid, something like two losses occurred. But even then, I still think they might make an exception. The bottom line to me is that we do need an expansion of the college football playoffs. And if you go to the playbook.com website, you'll see we have a poll. We do a poll there usually every week or twice a month. And our poll on the playbook site this uh, this week coming into the national championship game is how many teams do you feel should be involved in the NCAA college football playoff? And we had a listing of anywhere from four to six to eight to 10 to 12. And uh, overwhelmingly, the number one choice by our readers at playbook.com is for an eight-team college football playoff. If there were an eight-team college football playoff, we would have seen the likes of the Cincinnati Bearcats, as you mentioned, Victor, here, the Texas A&M Aggies. They, would have, they could have stopped their crying. They would have been in the playoffs. And then it would have been a lot of controversy about the other two teams that would have eventually made the playoffs. But I think it opens the door for a lot more intensity, a lot more excitement, and a lot more down the stretch. That's sort of what I learned this football season, COVID aside, about what needs to happen in the world of college football. And I'd certainly love to see them entertain that thought between now and the start of the 2021 football season. And with that, Victor, I'm going to hand it over to you to find out what it is your thoughts are and what you learned about the college football season and any other stats or facts you might want to share with our listeners. Well, I want to throw in what I learned, uh, not necessarily in college football, but in the NFL. And, you know, 2020 in the Chinese New Year was the year of the rats. But in the NFL, as we talked about uh, through most of the second half of the season in the podcasts, it was the year of the dog in the NFL. 138, 109, and 4 ATS, 56% for doggies. And... uh, that's the second most profitable year for underdogs going all the way back to 2000, trailing only the 2006 season when underdogs went a dazzling 144, 105, and 7 ATS. It's also worth calling out how road dogs of under a touchdown performed in this season as well. So again, uh, year of the dog, uh, the upcoming year in the Chinese New Year is the year of the ox. We'll see if the year of the dog continues in the NFL as far as the wild card playoffs go. And one more thing that I learned, Mark, is that a record high scoring season in the NFL does not necessarily mean there's going to be more overs than unders. And it was a record setting season, 12,692 points, total points scored this season in the NFL, which smashed the previous record back in 2013 by over 700 points. So NFL teams average 24.8 points per game this season, or 49.6 combined. That's four points higher than last year's high average of 45.6. There were 260 fewer punts this year than last. And also for the first time in NFL history, more than three teams averaged at least 30 points per game on the season. This year, there was actually five of them led by the Green Bay Packers and followed up by Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and New Orleans, five NFL teams who averaged 30 or more points per game on the season. So when you think high-scoring numbers, you think a lot more overs and unders. That did not occur. On the season, 127 overs, 124 unders, five ties, and the market certainly corrected itself after Overs got off to that uh, unbelievable 30-19 and 19 start against the closing line, you can even argue that uh, the market tended to overcorrect itself at some points during the season. But if you ask me why were points up so much in the NFL season, lack of crowd noise, that's got to be number one. That has an impact because offensive communication becomes so much easier, especially for road teams, when there are basically no fans in the stands. Also, pace of play was also up drastically, uh, particularly in the first half of this season. And the other two factors that kind of persisted throughout the season were, and you saw it when watching games, increased aggressiveness on fourth downs. A lot more teams going for it on fourth downs. And not only that, 
a shift in officiating because we saw 10-year lows in both A, offensive holding calls, and false starts, which are crowd-related as well, and also a 10-year high in defensive pass interference penalties. And those are all the positives for offensive output and basically the explanation for why the season was historically high-scoring. High scoring, uh, good points you bring out there, Victor. Like you say, high scoring it could be, but high scoring doesn't mean you're going to automatically cash those tickets because the Vegas odds maker does just that. He does his job, and he adjusts games on the fly. And the whole bottom line to everything, handicapping whether it be totals or the point spread of football games or even propositions, is that you have to have value when you go out and go up to the window to make your play. And if you don't have value, the greatest handicapping concepts that might be out there render themselves useless without value so keep that in mind when it comes to handicapping the upcoming nfl football playoffs and any other sports that you happen to happen to entertain from this point moving forward one quick thought here victor is uh what i want to mention here about uh what i learned in the nfl uh and it happens to be involving the nfl football playoffs upcoming here and it's apparent to me that there's a lot of love out there right now for two teams, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Bucks, And largely because of perhaps what they did coming down the stretch, maybe because of their quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson. But they are both now the third choice to win each of their conferences in the playoffs, despite some holes that they bring to the table here. You look at Baltimore, here's a football team that, Four of their last five opponents to close out the season combined were 17-46-1 on the season here. Lamar Jackson, in his career, we outlined this in the Playbook newsletter in our coffee club, uh, Daily Coffee Club, and we call him a classic cripple shooter. He buries losing football teams. He's 19-3 in his career, but against 666 or better teams, He's only 8-6 and six straight up in ATS. Like I say, a lot of love for Baltimore here, and because there is, the odds makers are forced to compensate in the form of the odds for the upcoming playoffs. The Tampa Bay Bucks come into this contest here. And if you take a look at the last three opponents that they played, they are 13-39 and 39 combined on the season here. And Tampa Bay this year, against opponents that have a win percentage of 600 or better, are 1-4. and four straight up in ATS this football season here. I feel that there's been an overreaction to the love out there right now for Baltimore and Tampa Bay. So keep that thought in mind when you're approaching the NFL football playoffs this weekend. That's kind of my thought, Victor, and what I've learned, at least from the pairings that we've seen thus far in the National Football League. And, you know, with that, uh, let's do this. Uh, Normally we go to a commercial break here, but if Jeff will allow us, we'll hop right into what we have planned on the football show this week. And that is a preview of the upcoming teams and what we can expect from those teams in the playoffs this week. Now, I'm going to take one side of my portion or part of this is I'm not going to be touting games or teams. I'm going to be pointing out some of the very best and the very worst of situations that these teams might be happen to be going into this weekend. Then you can form your own opinion to see if either of these two sides come to what you handicap the football game to be. And Victor, what is your approach going to be when handicapping or in our preview of these NFL football playoff games? Well, for every team in uh, this week's playoff action, uh, I've gone through the database and come up with the most recent playoff trend for each team. It might be an ATS trend. It might be an over-under trend. But uh, hopefully it's a little bit more ammunition that you can have as you approach this weekend's games. Good. So let's do that. Uh, Let's start with our preview for the upcoming NFL playoffs this week, and we'll do it uh, by schedule. Uh, This is all a lot of my notes come from our playbook midweek alert newsletter this week, which uh, we have game write-ups on every one, all six NFL football playoff games. And that's the, uh, the the new oddity this year. We have three teams playing Saturday and three teams playing Sunday because of the expansion of seven teams in each conference into the playoffs something that I really fully expect to see continuing moving forward. I know they did it because of the COVID situation, but there's money to be made for the National Football League with more teams involved in playoffs. And if there's money to be made, I'm sure they'll be pursuing that again next football season here. 
I'm going to start it off, kick it off if you're here with the Buffalo-Indianapolis football game. And uh, we talk about the Buffalo Bills coming in here. Obviously, the hottest team in the National Football League. Uh, this football team set a franchise record for scoring. They scored 501 points this football season here. And they have the hot iron right now in the National Football League of all the teams. The good news for them in the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills at home, in the playoffs, they're 7-0 straight up and 6-0-1 to the spread. Our teams in the NFL playoffs, not the Buffalo Bills, but any team in the NFL playoffs that are on a six-game exact win streak heading into the playoffs, those teams are 7-0 straight up and 6-0-1 against the spread, a favorable stat for Buffalo, a negative stat for Buffalo, the fact that they've lost six consecutive playoff games in a row. Football team has had difficult times in the playoff in games in the past. We'll see whether or not Josh Allen has anything to say or do about that, but they got to get over that hurdle of having dropped six straight consecutive playoff games. On the flip side, the Indianapolis Colts come in here. Uh, it's a football team that uh, I think the good side for them is their quarterback, Phillip Rivers, has been really, really good in the playoffs as an underdog. He's cashed six of eight times that he's taken points in the playoffs. He's also beat Buffalo in five of the last six games. He's gone head-to-head against them, winning the money in four of those contests. The downside for the Colts, and this does make one who likes the Colts maybe tend to step back and look at the football game for what it is. And what it is is the Colts are a dome team playing outdoors in a cold-weather city in the playoffs. And in my database, our well-oiled machine, I keep a stat on those teams, and those teams in the playoffs are just 6-20 and straight up. 8-18 8-18 and 18 against the spread. Dome teams and cold weather sites in the playoffs. And if their dogs of seven or more points are 1-9 and nine straight up and 2-8 and eight against the spread. That's what I see for good news, bad news, as far as the two teams in the Buffalo Colts game are concerned. Victor, what's your take and what do you see in this contest as well? Well, this is Saturday's first game, 105 Eastern uh, kickoff. It opened at 51.5 as far as the over-under line. And it basically hasn't moved. I'm still seeing 51 and a half pretty much across the board. It's one of the few playoff games this weekend that basically has not moved a lot. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be jumping on that Buffalo over the total bandwagon. Three, one and one to the over in their last uh, five games. Uh, One, two, three, what, six, two and one in their last nine games. With that said, Buffalo's last four playoff games dating back to 1999, have all gone under the total. And the Colts are pretty much a rock-solid under team in the playoffs. They've gone 5-14-1 over under since 2005, 3-9-1 in the last 12 years, and in fact their last five playoff games, just like their opponents, have gone 0-4-1 over under. So team trends suggest you may want to look at the under, but with that said, in the wild card round, there's only been five games all time with a high over-under line of 51 or more points. Those games have gone four overs, one under. The sample size, not large, but again, wild card games with those high over-under lines have gone over at an 80% clip. We don't know which way we're going in the game yet, but let's move on to the next game. What do you got next? Next game will be the game in order, Victor. Saturday, the middle game. Seattle hosting the L.A. Rams in an NFC West division battle. This should be a beauty. These two teams meeting, obviously, for the third time this football season here, taking a look at the Rams. The big question mark, obviously, is Jared Goff, their quarterback, and whether he will or will not be behind center in this contest here. Uh, It's all going to be dependent upon the condition of his thumb, which he had surgery on last week. If he is... It's likely, uh, likely the fact that uh, he will not be at full health in this football game. But it remains to be seen. What I do know about the L.A. Rams is the fact that when they come into this game, they do own the better offense and the better defense in this football game. And in fact, they've gone 13-3 and in the stats against their 16 opponents this year, 8-1 and the last nine, and have won the yards an average of 95 yards a game. Uh, they're also, the bad news for them is they're just 3-6 and six straight up in ATS their last nine playoff games. And in fact, in the playoffs, when they take on an opponent that has a better record than they do, they're only 3-6 and six straight up and 2-6-1 and one to the number. For the Seattle Seahawks, 
Uh, obviously, their main asset is quarterback Russell Wilson, who is 5-0 against the spread in the playoffs in his career against sub-666 opponents. But the downside is the opposite end of what I opened up with here, how poorly Seattle played in the yards, head-to-head in the stats against their opponents this year. They were out-yarded in 10 of their 16 football games and lose the stats an average of 12 yards a game. Points to ponder and consider in the Rams-Seahawks game this Saturday. Victor, what do you see in this contest? You know, I think that uh, Seattle actually fears the Rams more with quarterback John Wolford than they do with Jared Goff. I say that because the Rams can incorporate Wolford and his very good rushing abilities with some actual designed quarterback running plays. And you've seen Arizona give Seattle problems with Kyler Murray designed quarterback runs. So if you ask me, I think Seattle is more afraid of the Rams with Wolford than Goff. Doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense, my own personal opinion. As far as team trends go, Seattle right now is on a 3-6 and six ATS run in their last nine playoff games. Their last 12 have gone eight overs, three unders, one tie. The Rams, equally uh, bad ATS team, their last nine playoff games have gone three and six ATS. Three out of their last four have gone under the total. Uh, One thing that we will say or that I pulled out of the database is that any playoff underdog who allowed 10 or less points at home in their last game that applies to the Rams, who held on the Cardinals last week. Anyway, these teams have gone 20-3 ATS since 2000. Again, I think the Rams may be the play in the game, regardless of who's at quarterback. What's next, Mark? The third and final game on Saturday's NFL football playoff card finds the Washington football team playing host to the aforementioned Tampa Bay Bucks coming into the contest here. Everybody knows about Tampa Bay their main weapon being Tom Brady, who is 30-11 straight up in the playoffs. But against NFC East teams in the playoffs, he's 1-3 straight up and 0-4 to the spread lifetime. On the other ugly side of this contest for Tampa Bay is the fact that their head coach, Bruce Arians, has never won a playoff game. He's 0-4 straight up and 1-3 to the spread. Taking a look at the other side of the contest, the Washington football team comes into this game knowing that Teams in the NFL playoffs that are taking on opponents in a wild card round when that opponent comes in off a straight up and ATS win are 13 and 5 straight up and 15 and 3 to the spread as an underdog. That'll be the role for the Washington football team in this contest. The bad news for Washington the fact that they themselves have dropped four straight games in a row in the postseason, both straight up and against the spread, in games in which the opponent has a better record. That's what I got for notes here in this contest here. Victor, what do you see in this battle between Washington and Tampa Bay? You know, for Washington, it's almost been a case of like two seasons in one. Uh, In their first four losses this year, they were all by 14 or more points. They were pretty much getting blown out in the first two months of play. But their last five losses have been by seven, five, three, three, and one point. So even in the games they did not win in the second half of the season, they played the full 60 minutes, and they're getting how many points in this game? The last time I looked, they're getting eight, in some cases, nine. You know which way I'm kind of leading as far as the game goes. As far as the totals go, Tampa, last 11 playoff games, three overs, eight unders. Washington, last nine playoff games, only two overs, seven unders, I don't, I'm not going to reveal the numbers from our database, but historically, non-division road favorites do not do well in the playoffs. To me, I think Washington kind of keeps it close, Mark. I got you, Victor, here, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about them a little bit later on in the show as we close out the show on our NFL football preview. Guys, don't go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to take a look at Sunday's NFL football playoff games, the three games on tap. We'll preview those, and we'll hop out to Vegas to visit with our good friend Andy Isco to get the final results from the major contest. We're going to be back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. 
Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence against the spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on our NFL Special Edition Playoff Preview Show. We're reviewing the NFL football playoff games this weekend. We did the Saturday card. Let's move over to the Sunday side of the football card. And I'll kick things off with the first game on tap at 105 Eastern on ESPN Television. It'll be the Tennessee Titans playing host to the Baltimore Ravens in this contest. Baltimore comes into this football game with a major double revenge chip on their shoulder. They were beat in the playoffs of last year at home embarrassingly. And they were beat at home this year by the Tennessee Titans as well. That should serve them well for motive, at least coming into this football contest here. On the flip side... Teams playing with same season revenge in wild card football games as Baltimore is doing right now. They're just one and six straight up and against the spread as favorites when they're coming in off a double digit point spread win. Taking a look at the Tennessee Titans side of this football game, quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who takes a backseat here to Lamar Jackson, at least in the eyes of the football public, Ryan Tannehill in games against the AFC North. In his career, the underdog in those games has gone 14-3 and against the spread. It's been an underdog fest for Ryan Tannehill in games against AFC North teams, including five consecutive point spread covers in a row. The downside for Tennessee from our database is the fact that they're just 1-6 to the money at home in the playoffs, taking on an opponent coming in off a win. How do you see this game shaking out, Victor, between the Titans and the Ravens in this contest? You know, they've added two extra games this year in the NFL in the wild card round. So they're thinking, how can we rename this weekend to make it sound even bigger? So they're calling it Super Wild Card Weekend. That's the handle they've attached to this particular weekend, which, you know, that's kind of funny, but this might be the biggest game of the Super Wild Card Weekend, a game in which the point spread is low and the over underline is high. And that means, folks, it's got shootout written all over it. Uh, When I say over it, pun intended, the game opened at 55. It's dropped a half point to 54 and a half as we record the podcast. And uh, with that said, Baltimore, their last 10 playoff games have gone three overs, six unders, one tie. That's 67% under the total. Even Tennessee... A team that kind of rocked through the playoffs last season has gone 2-7 and seven over under in their last nine playoff games. But if you recall, this is one of those wild card games with a high over-under line, which have gone four overs, one under, when the over-under line is 51 or more points. So there you have it. The breakdown individually from a team aspect that kind of points to the under, but in the wild card round with a high over-under line, that would indicate we might just get the shootout that people are anticipating. If you're looking for a possible shootout in that big matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, a good friend of mine asked me, can they make a total high enough in this football game? And I said, I'll ask Victor. <laughs> and he just gave us a <laughs> gave us the answer. <laughs> Actually, they did because of the 55, and now it's come down a half point. So, there yes, they did make a line high enough. Yes, they did. Okay, let's move over now to the second game on tap on Sunday, the New Orleans Saints play host the number two seed New Orleans Saints play host to the Chicago Bears coming into this contest here take a look at the New Orleans side of the football game the good news for them at home in the series they've won five of the last six games going 5-0-1 against the spread they've rather dominated Chicago of late here the bad news for the Saints they've been a horrible team in the playoffs the last 21 playoff games for New Orleans are just 6-14-1 against the spread And in fact, as favorites in the playoffs, New Orleans has lost six, or I should say they've lost seven of their last 13 playoff games straight up 
going just 2-11 to the spread when favored in the postseason. Chicago Bears, who back into the playoffs in this football game coming in here, uh, they've scored 30 or more points in four of their last five football games, and a lot of that is attributed, obviously, to the change back to Mitchell Trubisky, their quarterback, who had a great solid season for this football team this year. I think a lot of their woes came when they overreacted and went to Nick Foles early on in the football season. That was all part of a six-game losing slide for the Chicago Bears. In fact, they're the first team since 1947 San Francisco 49ers to open the season 5-1 and one and then incur a six-game losing streak, the Chicago Bears. So they made it into the playoffs with a little bit of difficulty to doing just that. The bad news for Chicago Coming into this contest, in the playoffs, Chicago has lost nine straight games in a row straight up and against the spread when taking on 666 or better opponents. And I'm going to throw an ugly stat out here that uh, may be a jaw dropper, if you will, and Victor might be interested in something like this as well. But it happens to pertain to how road dogs do when coming off a home game and going over the total. These teams are 0-14 straight up and against the spread the last 14 times. Road dogs coming off a home over total, and it applies against the Chicago Bears in this football game. Victor, how do you see the Saints and the Bears shaking out in this contest? See, I love the fact that we can work together on this. Mark is researching straight up in ATS trends and using over-under data. And, of course, I do that a lot when trying to come up with some decent over-under patterns and tendencies. I'll look at teams off a dog win, a straight-up favorite loss. So you can incorporate both elements into your handicapping, and I absolutely love that set. I think it's fantastic, Mark. This uh, is definitely statistically the best defense that the Bears have faced on the season. They've gone 2-7 and seven ATS in their last nine playoff games. They've gone 7-3 and three to the over, actually, in their last 10 playoff games. With, the, with that said, however, their last four games have actually gone one over and three unders on the New Orleans side. You know, in the last three years, they haven't covered a point spread in the playoffs. 0-4-1 ATS, last five playoff games for the Saints, who have been uh, one and done in each of their last two uh, years in the playoffs. They've also gone 2-5 and five over under their last seven playoff games, including a perfect 0-3 in their last three. And yet they're laying a lot of points at home. And, you know, sharp bettors already know that in the last three years, home favorites have done very, very poorly in the wild card wrong. They've got 1-10 ATS last three years for home favorites in the wild card round. With that said, Mark, Playoff double-digit home favorites have gone 9-1 and one against the spread since 2011. The last time I looked, the Saints were minus 10 to minus 10 and a half of the game. This could be the one game of the significant favorites in which they actually win by 14 or more. Yeah, this looks to be a case where the double-digit favorite uh, sort of dictates the winner of the football game. As you mentioned here, double-digit chalk has done really rather well as double-digit home chalk in the playoffs, despite the fact that New Orleans themselves has really struggled a bit. The third or the third and final game on Sunday's NFL playoff card is a game dear to our hearts here when our hometown Cleveland Browns invade Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. A long-awaited playoff game for the Cleveland Browns coming into this contest here. It's the first time in 17 years they're in the postseason here, and they scratched and clawed their way to getting just here. They had to fight not only opponents on the field, but a bad rash of COVID along the way. We saw that down the stretch when they were decimated. The Browns were going into the New York Jets football game and ended up resulting in a bad loss for them. They were beat up again last week when they took on the Pittsburgh Steelers, but managed to somehow survive against the Pittsburgh Junior Varsity to get into this football game. So thus, this becomes a right-back revenge rematch for Pittsburgh, which I'll talk about here in just a moment here. But as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned from the database, our well-oiled machine, it points out this fact, and it's pretty interesting, that teams who close out the season as a double-digit favorite win the game and fail to cover, that go into the playoffs and open up as a dog, those teams are 9-1 and one against the spread in this particular role. That favors the Cleveland Browns for a situational side in the football game. The bad news for the Browns, NFL teams 
in the playoffs that won six or fewer games the previous season. They're just 5-31 and 31 straight up, 10-25-1 to the spread when they're away coming off a division game. Take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers in this football contest here. For Pittsburgh, it's really rather all about Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. He's back this football game. They rested him to get ready for this contest here. Roethlisberger owns and dominates Cleveland, as everybody well knows, 23-2-1 straight up in his career, including 12-0 at home. He's never lost to the Browns in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger, however, in his last nine playoff games, is just 3-6 and six straight up and 2-6-1 and one against the spread. What you've also got here in Pittsburgh is a football team that is really on a rather cold streak. The one good football game that Pittsburgh did play, and it was uh, arguable, was only the second half of the Indianapolis Colts game in which they put up a decent performance. They hadn't had to play a good football game before that until they hosted Baltimore back on December 1st and won the game and failed to cover here. So I think the door might be open for the Browns in this contest here, but a lot of this will be related to the COVID situation surrounding this team once again this week. No Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, on top of it, which really, really makes it difficult. Victor, how do you see the Browns and the Steelers shaking out on Sunday? Well, there had, you know, this is the 2020 NFL season. There has to be at least one game impacted by the COVID, right? And yes, this for is sure. the one, and not only Stefanski, but Pro Bowl guard Joel Batonio also tested positive and will not play along with wide receiver Kaderil Hodge for the Cleveland Browns. So there's so many intangibles, question marks in regard to this game. I wish both teams were at the full strength because this would be a dynamic rushing underdog to bet some money on. I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns getting significant points rushing for 148 yards per game on the season, 4.8 yards per rush, taking on a terrible Steelers team, averaging only, what, 84 yards per game on the ground, only 3.6 yards per rush. Of course, in regards to team trends, <laughs> we've got nothing for the Cleveland Browns, first playoff appearance in 17 years. But from the Pittsburgh Steelers' standpoint, I will note that their last nine playoff games since 2011 – have gone two six and one against the spread. They've gone two and four over under in their last six. However, ten and four to the over in their last fourteen. Not only that, Pittsburgh's last fourteen home playoff games have gone twelve one and one over under. That's twelve overs, only one under. Will this game go over? Who knows? You saw the game last week and how close it was. Again, a lot of intangibles and a lot of question marks when it comes to this uh, AFC North division game on Sunday night. Good take, Victor. Good overview of what's going on and what we can expect from the National Football League playoff this weekend for both Saturday and Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas and check out the Vegas Five from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I know you're ready for the 2020 NFL football playoffs. And I also know... You've got the results from the final standings and all the major contests in Las Vegas. Yes, indeed, Mark, and uh, I congratulate the NFL with uh, a few bumps here and there. They made it through the 256-game regular season schedule, and now it's uh, all of us hoping that they uh, have no interruptions that would at least postpone any of the games. We do have the situation that you and Victor just talked about with Cleveland this week missing uh, their head coach and uh, a couple of players due to COVID, but hopefully that will be the end of it and everything will proceed as scheduled. I'm looking forward to it. The first season uh, with the expanded playoff format, that's the first change in 30 years with uh, uh, 14 teams involved rather than just the uh, traditional 12. So interesting matchups, a lot of football this weekend, and I think it's really going to be attractive with these uh, uh, triple headers on Saturday and Sunday. My one hope going forward is that the NFL does not increase the playoff field to 16 teams. I like the idea of one and only one team in each conference having a bye. I think that uh, teams should be rewarded for their excellence, and when you have it just one team like they do this year, I think it makes the ending part of the season all that's more meaningful. So those are the kudos for the NFL. We don't get to do it very often, so I'll take advantage of the one this year that we can. Well, Andy, as we mentioned last week uh, on the show here, we talked about uh, the National Football League and maybe making adding a 17th game to the season and how it would really disrupt 
all of our databases uh, for everything that we've come and learned to love about the National Football League sequencing and everything. And uh, I'm with you. I certainly hope we don't see that, but I concur with you. I think moving forward with the seventh team added to the playoffs is uh, is an added reward to teams, and I think it also increases fans uh, fans' eagerness to follow these football teams right down to the stretch. So hopefully things won't change because of that anything other than the COVID situation itself. Yeah, the, the thing about that, I was going to say, the thing about that 17th game is it, it really disrupts and ruins the symmetry of the game, especially when it comes to scheduling. If you take a look at the way things are scheduled now, let's take a look at uh, the AFC East, for example. Let's compare Miami and the Jets. They basically play identical schedules except for four games. Two of the games are obviously the games against one another, and the other two games are games against the teams that finished in the same place as they did in the two divisions that they don't play all four teams within their conference. And that was just a beautiful scheduling uh, decision that was made. Well, now with the 17 game, you're going to have more of an unbalanced schedule between, between teams within a division and teams within a conference. So it's a little bit late. They're not going to rethink and undo that, but it does create a little bit more of a, a dis, uh, of a, let's call it not disbalance or imbalance in the schedules, but uh, I think it does create some situations where uh, there will be more people to gripe at certain situations uh, down the road. But then again, as long as you're talking about the league, yeah, the league is pretty happy. So uh, those, those are my thoughts. I think the NFL, uh, you know, 32 teams, a 16-game schedule was perfect. All right, a little imperfection. It does mean more football, one more week of action. Well, I'm sure the fans will vote for one more week of action. Uh, they're certainly uh, you know, looking for all that they can get. And this week we're lucky enough to be able to find three games on Saturday's card and three more on Sunday. So that sort of satisfied our, satisfies our palate, at least for the upcoming football weekend. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And I encourage your listeners out there to make sure you download his newsletter this weekend as he previews the NFL football playoffs. He does a great job breaking out seeding in the National Football League and what it means to certain teams and certain seeds, and a great job also of handicapping the football games. Check it out, TheLogicalApproach.com, to get Andy's weekly football newsletter. And with that, Andy, I'm going to hand it over to you, and if you would, do the honors and bring our fans up to date about how exactly these major contests in Las Vegas shook out this weekend. Sure thing, Mark. Let's start with the uh, uh, contest over at the uh, Westgate Superbook, the Super Contest Classic, which drew 1,172 entries this season. Each week we report on the consensus plays, and coming into last week, they were 40, 39, and 3. This past week, week 17, the consensus went 2 and 3 to end up 42, 42, and 3 on the season. That's a 50% winning percentage exactly. The consensus uh, top play, the number one play overall, had been 8-7. I'm sorry, had been 7-7-2 seven, seven, and two entering Week 17. Washington was the top consensus play of uh, the contestants in the contest. And, of course, the contest line was Washington uh, minus 2-and-a-half. Uh, the line ended up, ended up going up to 6, 6-and-a-half. So uh, the actual uh, real-life betting uh, may have had a point spread cover for Philadelphia in that one. But as far as the contest was concerned, Washington got the cover. So for the season 8-7-2 for the number one play each week, in the uh, Super Contest Classic, 52.9% uh, for the season. As to the contest overall, there was one sole winner, had a fine season, but not as strong as in recent years. Maybe a lot of it had to do with the decrease in the number of selections or, or perhaps just the way the season unfolded due to COVID and the rescheduling, etc. 54-26-5 against the spread. Uh, when you count uh, one point for a win, half point for a push, that's 56 and a half out of a possible 85 uh, points, and that's 66.5% winning percentage. Overall in the contest this year, there were 20 contestants who had 51 points or better. That's a 60% winning percentage. The Super Contest Classic pays the top 100 in ties. 98 contestants had full shares for the 100 play, play, paying positions. That's a record of 48 or more points. That's 56.5% to cash a full share and at 47 and a half uh, points that's 19 contestants were tied for the final two paying places so 55.9 percent this year got you some cash back 56 and a half percent got you a full share of whatever the respective place uh, 
uh, that you finished in paid. I will mention the winner had 56.5 points. That was good enough for a 1.5-point victory over one contestant in second at 55. One contestant further back with 54. And rounding out the top five, three contestants had a 53 points. So once again, a little bit over 60%. Got you up near the top of the leaderboard with 66.5% winning the entire contest. Looking at the Super Contest Gold, that's the high-end $5,000 entry fee contest uh, where the entire prize pool goes to the one contestant with the best record. Uh, this, contest, uh, this contest also down in the number of entries this year. 72 contestants ponied up the uh, the $5,000, so total of $360,000 at stake to the winner. Uh, looking at the consensus for the season, and he did have a little bit of an adjustment transposition, some errors the past couple of weeks. Uh, 48, 37, and 4 for the season. That's 58.8%. The consensus last week was 2 and 3. The top pick, however, did extremely well uh, this season amongst the 72 contestants. 1 and 0 last week. The top play once again was Washington, and for the season, uh, that is uh, 10, 5, and 2. Just a shade under 67% when you factor in the two pushes. So uh, that uh, consensus this year uh, with a limited field that ponied up $5,000 each, very impressive. Uh, the, the, the first place finisher, the winner who took down all the cash, 54, 27, and 4. That's uh, uh, 56 out of 85 points. Once again, a little bit better than uh, uh, 60. Uh, or li actually, this one is a little bit under 67% to win the uh, Super Contest Classic. Good enough for a two-point winner over the contestant in second. Uh, the third-place uh, contestant was uh, uh, four and a half points out of the first, followed by two more contestants, each of which one half point behind each other. Uh, just to mention on the reboot contest at the Super Contest at the uh, Westgate Superbook this year, uh, that's the contest that handicaps reads weeks 9 through 17. So if you're off to a slow start and you want to enter a contest for the second half of the season, uh, this was the second year that the Westgate offered this contest. It attracted 173 contestants, 45 selections over those final nine weeks. It was a record of 30, 13, and 2 to uh, take down uh, first prize. Uh, that worked out to 68.9%, and it was 31 out of 45 uh, uh, points to uh, to take down that first place prize. Uh, looking at the Circa Contest, which has become uh, the big contest in town the last couple of years, that's a $1,000 entry fee modeled after the uh, Super Contest. Five selections a week uh, against uh, the static point spread that comes out on Thursday mornings about 15 hours after the uh, uh, Westgate contest comes out, 15 to 18 hours depending upon the week. Uh, the consensus last week, 3-2 uh, and two for the season, 46-38-1. Uh, By the way, this contest attracted 3,148 entries. This had a $2 million guaranteed prize pool going in, meaning they needed $2,000 2,000 entries, rather, to break even. They exceeded that by more than 50%. 3,148 uh, put up a very nice uh, prize pool uh, for the season. The consensus of the top number one for the top play, 7, 8, and 1 going into last week. Once again, Washington, the top consensus play for week 17, 8, 8, and 1 for the season uh, from the 3,100-plus contestants. That's 50% of winners. The contest was won by a contestant with uh, 57 points out of the uh, uh, out of the 85 points possible. Good enough for just a half-point win over the contestant who finished in second with 56.5. One point better than the one contestant who finished in fourth at 55.5 points. Uh, overall, the contest pays the top 50 contestants and ties. 47 contestants finished in the uh, top uh, uh, top 50 with uh, full shares at 51.5 points, just a shade over 60%. 14 contestants, that's one four contestants, got partial shares tying for the final three spots of 48 uh, to 50. Uh, they had exactly 51 points, which works out to exactly 60%. And for their efforts, they got uh, $482, so almost half their entry fee back for hitting exactly 60%. However, those who tied for 35 to 47 uh, placed uh, towards the bottom part of the uh, top 50, but getting full shares, the amounts that they split up worked out to a little bit over $4,200 for each of those contestants who finished a half point better than uh, 60%. This contest also had a $100,000 prize for the worst record for contestants who participated and submitted selections for all 17 weeks. 
It was won by a contestant who went 28 and 57, which is a little bit better than 33%. Uh, in fact, the opposite of uh, what the uh, winner did at 57 uh, and uh, I don't know if it was 28 with no pushes or it had some pushes involved there, but it worked out to 57 points uh, for the winner. So exact opposite got the booby prize. Uh, the fourth quarter contest at the Circa uh, went uh, five weeks, weeks 13 through 17 versus 13 through 16 at the Westgate. The winner, uh, 20 and a half out of a possible uh, 25 uh, points. Uh, the con- the uh, quarterly prizes paid a total of 250,000 uh, sorry 287,000 250 was guaranteed but the excess entry fees went to the uh, uh, went to the quarterly winner uh, so the one contestant had 20 and a half out of a possible 25 points nine contestants split the prize for second and third with 19 and a half points and finally the very attractive circus survivor contest came to a conclusion this past week that one had 1,390 entrants, each ponying up $1,000 each, making it a $1,390,000 prize pool. Now, the Circa offered a $1 million bonus for anyone who went 18-0. They had that extra Thanksgiving Day week that counted as a separate week. Uh, heading into week 17, or week 18 of the contest, there were 35 contestants still alive for not just the $1,390,000, but also that million-dollar bonus. And wouldn't you know it, all 35 contestants submitted winning selections on the uh, final Sunday night of the season, the Washington-Philadelphia game. There were six contestants who uh, probably uh, sent some sort of nice little gift card to uh, Doug Peterson for the uh, maneuver he made late in the game because six contestants had Washington to win that game. So 35 contestants split $2.39 million, each winning a little bit over $68,000 for going perfect uh, for the uh, entire 18 weeks of this contest. And I've mentioned it before, and I still stand by. I would not be surprised to see 5,000 entries in this contest next summer, assuming that the uh, travel Travel restrictions related to uh, COVID are either significantly reduced or entirely uh, 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 not needed anymore uh, by the time we get to the middle of the summer. In a survivor contest like it is, and I realize we had quite a few entries this year, that 35 people made it unscathed to the finish line. Did that surprise you, or uh, do you feel that there were that many sharps in there, and not only unscathed, but they had to get through the Thanksgiving week as well? Uh, What was your take on that? I, I was surprised that we had that many. I thought we, I thought that we would have a good chance of maybe a handful of people going 18 and 0. The thought was that there might be the contest could end, let's say after week seven, after let's say after week 15, uh, if there was still people alive. In other words, if there was still one person alive, he would be, he or she would be entering a pick. To, to continue each week to see if they could go 18 and 0. I think you pointed out the the one booby uh, trap in the uh, uh, in the contest, and that was the Thanksgiving Day th- Thursday. Especially considering that Baltimore Pittsburgh game had to be postponed, so there were only four teams to choose from. So you had to have not only did you had to have one of those four teams alive, you had to now had specifically one of those four teams alive after perhaps using some of those earlier in the week, thinking that earlier in the season, thinking that you might want to use either Pittsburgh or Baltimore for that uh, Thanksgiving Day game. So I was surprised, A, by the fact that they had so many people alive heading into week 18, and then the fact that all 35 of them advanced. I think there were a total of either seven uh, seven or eight teams that were used in Week 18, but it was a great week for favorites winning outright, so maybe not all that much of a surprise. But, yes, I was surprised that 35 people uh, had uh, uh, had perfect seasons, much less uh, just made it uh, this made it through the season uh, with as many people as they did. In fact, Thanksgiving, I think heading into that, that one day, I want to say there were about 209 contestants, and about half of them did get eliminated on that Thanksgiving Day uh, weekend. I don't know what would have happened if we had the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game played as scheduled because that was expected to be, and turned out to be, for the most part, a competitive game when it was played. So I think that most people heading into Thanksgiving Day were looking at playing uh, the Dallas Cowboys as heading into the season. They were projected to win the NFC East, of course, uh, they had their chances late in the season, but not with the kind of record that the preseason forecasts expected would be a division winner. So hence, Andy, anybody that saved Pittsburgh or Baltimore for Thanksgiving week and the game did not play, they ended up losing out in the contest and they were eliminated because the game did not play. Is that correct? I, I believe only one person 
may have picked one of the sides in that game because the deadline to enter the survivor pool for pre-Sunday games is right up to kickoff. The, the normal time to, to for the deadline to submit your pick was Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, meaning that if you did want to play any of the Thursday night games during the season, you had to enter it by kickoff time. So I would think that uh, we knew a little bit in advance. One person may have just entered it uh, right before, right after the lines came out or right after the contest uh, uh, selection period opened, which I believe may have been either late Wednesday Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, and maybe they were headed out of town or something for Thanksgiving. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, that was a nice little kicker for this uh, contest that I think was designed to uh, trim the field greatly. And uh, it did cut it by 50%, but that still left over 100 people alive for the final month or so of the season. Well, I concur with Andy. I think that the Survivor Contest will grow uh, tremendously next year. And in fact, it'll rival, it'll rival Survivor on TV. Uh, it'll be that popular, provided, of course, that COVID is out of the way and people can get to Las Vegas. And if they're able to do just that, we'll probably see an uh, increase also in the Circa Million contest and likely get back, hopefully, to the numbers that the Superbook used to be prior to this 2020 pandemic football season. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. we got a nice overview of exactly what happened in the major contests in Las Vegas. And Andy, before we head off to the playoffs... I know Ordos would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play on the card this week. Well, Mark, with only six games to choose from, uh, you probably, you and Victor probably touched upon the uh, great record of uh, of underdogs the past few seasons in the wild card round, as well as the unders for total players, and we'll see if that continues uh, this weekend. And I'm actually going to be uh, looking at one of those underdogs. I'm going to look at the game between uh, Washington and Tampa Bay. Uh, Washington being the third division winner in NFL history to make the playoffs with a losing record. Each of those teams, by the way, has done so uh, since 2010. Now, there have been other losing teams, teams with losing records in the playoffs, but both of those occurred back in the strike-shortened season uh, in the early uh, 1980s where they only played nine games and they expanded the playoffs field that year to 16 teams. But Washington, one of only three division winners with a losing record to make the playoffs, all three, as I say, since 2010. Uh, both prior losing playoff teams uh, did win their wild card game, including Seattle as a 10-point underdog uh, in 2010 against 11-5 and uh, New Orleans. New Orleans has been the victim of a lot of uh, uh, bad luck in recent playoff histories. And you know, it, w- it wouldn't be surprising in this crazy year of 2020, just as an aside, if the two teams that have suffered the most frustration in recent years end up meeting in the Super Bowl, which would give us a matchup of Baltimore against New Orleans, both of whom have had their share of heartbreak uh, the past few seasons. But getting back to uh, the Washington-Tampa Bay game, uh, since seeding began in 1990, there have been 20 home underdogs in this round. Those dogs are an impressive 9-11 and 11 straight up, 11-8 and eight and one ATS. But as dogs of plus four or more, they're three and one straight up, four and oh ATS, which is the situation that we find uh, Washington in this week. Now, there's much to like about Tampa Bay, and, and they should win this game uh, straight up. Quarterback uh, Tom Brady had a very strong season with a potent offense that ranked number seven and was supported by a number six ranked defense for Tampa Bay. However, Washington buoyed by its number buoyed by its number two uh, ranked defense went six and four after starting one and five on the season. Their last five losses of the uh, nine losses were by seven, five, three, three, and one. After each of their four losses were by 14 points or more. Now a lot of that has to do with first year and defensively minded coach. Uh, Ron Rivera uh, showing his ability to make adjustments uh, during the season. Getting uh, the, uh, uh, the the gruesomely injured quarterback Alex Smith back uh, was also a bolster to the uh, to the uh, Washingtons. Uh, he's an experienced veteran. He's had playoff success in the past. Known mostly as a game manager, but also capable of extending drives to wear down the. Uh, uh, the Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay uh, defense. Uh, the call is for Tampa Bay to still win the game, but I wouldn't be surprised if this game falls somewhere between three and seven points. I like Washington plus the points. Wouldn't expect an upset here. Nothing would shock me, but I think it's a good situation for Washington, their defense, and a capable quarterback in Alex Smith to, uh, uh, to get the uh, point spread cover. Andy Isco on the the Washington football team plus the points for his final complimentary play on the football show for this 2020 football season. 
And Andy, once again, a great job on the show this season. As always, I'm going to wish you the very best of luck in the playoffs. And hopefully, if March Madness does come around this March, as it did not last year, we can resume again here with another podcast for March Madness, and we'd love to have you aboard if you would. I'd love to uh, participate. I'm so much looking forward to a uh, normal uh, March Madness. In fact, I hope the only abnormal thing about March Madness this year is that it's all taking place in the state of Indiana. Hopefully, everything else will go uh, smoothly. Well, thank you very much, Andy. Once again, good luck this football season here. Take care, stay safe, and we'll catch up with you down the road. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best. His awesome, awesome Angle of the Week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week, the final one for the 2020 football season, part of our NFL special playoff preview edition show here. We call our awesome angle home cooking. And what we look to do is to play on any NFL home dog in the playoffs that's coming off a win of more than three points. And you talk about simple. How about a home dog off a win of more than three points? They're gone 26 and one tie, 26 and one tie to the spread since 1980. That's a 77% rock-solid angle on these home dogs. With that, we'll be playing on the Washington football team for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out if Victor's got anything else he'd like to share on the playoff football preview show this week. And Victor, if you would, let them know what you've got on tap this weekend. A few short tidbits. One thing I would have added to the Andy segment, and uh, if I could have asked a question, I would have. And that is, when the heck is Las Vegas going to have one of their super contests for over-under betters and handicappers? <laughs> NFL over-under. You know, this was my first season in the Circa contest, Mark, and I got to tell you, most weeks throughout the season, I kind of felt like I was required to, you know, submit five plays with my right hand tied behind my back. Because over-unders, that's my forte. And while I learned a lot about dogs and favorites, and we've got the database in front of us, again, I feel like I'm hamstrung not being able to put out totals. So we need some sort of an advocate out there in Vegas. I'm hoping Andy's the man, because the day that they create one of these super contests for NFL totals, I'm going to be all in. That's for sure. Uh, next up, totals tip sheet. Three and one last week. We finished the season on a winning note. And, you know, we created this newsletter thanks to Mark's permission way back in 2004. It's been 15 seasons for the totals tip sheet. The year to date records 40 wins, 29 losses, plus 16.2 units for the season. That's a 58% winning percentage. Any sharp better will tell you. That 58% over a long four-month season is going to guarantee you a very, very nice profit. We are very pleased with those results. We're a half game away from last year's results when we went 40-28-1. But man, oh man, we'll take a 40-29 and record over the course of a long season anytime. And in fact, we had our little doggy daily double last week in which we released not one but two dog plays. And both of our canines earned themselves brand-new squeaky toys. Monkey brought home the bacon with the Jaguars-Colts game going under the total by a full seven points. And our boy Tuco finished the season on the plus side again. Once again, he had Baltimore Ravens over their team total of 28. They blasted the Bengals 38-3 in that particular game. They cashed that winner early in the third quarter. And, you know, I got an email from our buddy uh, Jeff up in Canada, our musician Jeff Kobashuk who said that Tuco's play should be a four-star best bet every single week. And, hey, let's be honest. Tuco's the front man, but we know who does all the <laughs> data research behind it, and it's Tuco's master. He takes the credit, but the master does the uh, heavy lifting when it comes to the database. Tuco's team totals went 13-4 and four last season. They went 12-5 and five this season. We're very proud of that. We're also proud of the fact that we've taken a newer aspect of betting in the NFL, and that's team totals. We've grabbed the bulls by the horn, and these team totals have done very, very well for us this season. We're not going to give out any sort of a free play on this part of the show. I'll agree with Andy and Mark. 
as far as uh, Washington. Looks like it's got some nice value. Playoff non-division road favorites of greater than a point have gone 8-21-2 against the spread. That tells us this week to fade the Buccaneers. It tells us to fade the Ravens. And again, Andy mentioned low scoring in the wild card round. He's absolutely correct. You know, in the division round, in the conference championship round, and in the Super Bowl round, there's been more overs than unders in every one of those last three rounds. However, the wild card round has been historically low scoring. In fact, in the last 15 years, there's been 21 overs, 42 unders, one tie. Unders in the wild card round have hit at 67% in the last 15 years. What we're doing as far as our uh, totals tip sheet clients goes, we're offering our NFL playoff package normally $199 for half price, only $99. That's for totals tip sheet customers. But we'll throw the same offer out for any podcast listeners, Mark. Uh, we'll offer our NFL playoff package for just $99. That's only 25 bucks a week. For any uh, podcast listeners who give us a call in the playbook offices, and uh, feel free to give us a call on Thursday, Friday, on Saturday. The number is 800-321-7777. If you want to talk to me specifically, my extension is 8070. And if you throw out the code, the code word, of Super Wild Card. It means that you stayed and listened to the last hour and a half of this podcast. Call us in the playbook office that you can get on board with our uh, $99 King Creole playoff package, of course, accentuated with over-under selections. I say best of luck to you this weekend, Mark, and I know that you're offering a nice playoff package of your own. Well, I appreciate that, Victor, very much, and good luck to you in the playoffs. That's a heck of an offer you're putting out there right now, just $99 for all of Victor's selections throughout the NFL football playoffs. You can log on at playbook.com to take advantage, or as Victor mentioned, give him a call at 1-800-321-7777, extension 8090. Before we close out the show, once again, I want to acknowledge our friends at mybookie.ag for their outstanding up to $1,000 sign-up bonus, which is still in effect going into the football playoffs. You can get your up to $1,000 sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag simply by logging on and using the promo code PLAYBOOK or call them toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-2387. That's 1-844-866-BETS to take advantage of your up to $1,000 sign-up bonus at our friends at mybookie.ag. And as Victor mentioned here, I do have my NFL playoff special kicking off this weekend. We have $100 savings, a regular $299 package offer, just $199. To take advantage, log on to the website at playbook.com or call the office at 1-800-321-7777 to ask about our NFL playoff special offer. As I normally do on the show at this particular stage of the show, the segment of the show, I'll render my complimentary play. I don't want to jump on the Washington football team, but I'm going to jump on the Washington football team this week. Andy used him as his complimentary play. We used him as our awesome angle, and that would also be my complimentary play on the football show this week. I don't know if that's too much weight to put on this football team, but there's a lot of good reasons, and you can find a lot of those reasons inside this week's edition of the special edition playbook midweek alert playoff football newsletter. We also have a great write-up on the national football championship game on Monday. Check that out in the midweek alert to find out other reasons why I'm on the Washington football team for my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. That's going to put the final wraps on this edition for the 2020 football season for Mark Lawrence against the spread. Hopefully we'll be back to visit with you for the NCAA March Madness tournament. Until then, I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And until then, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>